I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. It is. And you know what? We've been doing it for four years. We've been doing it for four damn years. You know, it's interesting. I was looking at a lot of um, photos and things like that, kind of getting Instagram posts together for the anniversary and things like that. And it's funny because I had forgotten about this, but when I was kind of going through our old clips, we had actually recorded a whole first episode that we never released, which I right. forgot. Yeah, I did remember that because we were trying to figure it out, like figure out how to do everything. And I mean, also like what we like, how much conversation we wanted, how much information we wanted. Like we were still kind of getting a feel for what we wanted the show to be. Yeah. When I was going back listening to some old clips in preparation for this episode, it was really striking to me how much the show has changed, not just in terms of like recording quality and all of those things that of course just like get better (laughs) over time but also just like I I think that our intention when we first started doing this podcast was comedy like we had it in the comedy category right and we've since like changed that to like society and culture and it's more like history and it's more you know 
other topics. Although I do still think we're hilarious. I mean, I do too, obviously, (laughs) but it's just kind of interesting. Like the way the show has changed, like everything about the show has changed. Well, and it was very, it was very organic. Like I think that we had an intention of always starting a community of support and, but we just didn't really know what that looked like and we didn't know who our audience was going to be. And I feel like because of our responses that we've gotten has helped us change and grow and create into what the show is now so it was really cool to kind of like look back and listen to all that kind of stuff but I was looking at old photos and I've got like a picture of you from like because the first episode we recorded was around Christmas time we mentioned the Christmas tree right so it's like there's like a Christmas tree and Matilda and then you got the microphone and we're sitting like in your kitchen dining room area (laughs) yeah yeah and just thinking about the different like places we've recorded and how we've changed it's just it's really cool that was from like december 18th 2017 i want to say because yeah, i want to say that's came right out in 2018 yeah so it's just it's crazy to see and that first episode it might not sound like it in fact i'm certain that it doesn't uh but it took so long to edit because oh i didn't God. know what i was doing yet uh, and it took so long. I mean, that's part of why we recorded in December and the episode didn't come out until January. January. I mean, the first, oh, I believe we recorded a few episodes and then edited because I remember you did the first few episodes of editing yourself and then you were like, okay, you're going to do one. And I was like, ah! and I did it. And it took me again, it took me like forever, forever, hours and hours and hours for like, probably an hour and a half of audio and it was just like oh my goodness this is taking forever how are we going to do this every week twice a week and now it's like oh I'll just get up early before work and edit real quick you know what I mean like it's so like part of our routine and like we just kind of like got it down now but um so this episode is going to kind of be all about what we're doing right now we're going to be looking back on some memories throughout the last four years and we're going to kind of just be reacting to ourselves and what we say. I had so many clips in mind. I had a huge, huge list and I had to condense it down. I was trying really hard to make it like a half an hour of clips and then leave like a half an hour for us to talk. So I did have to leave out a lot of things that I really loved. I had to kind of take away by process of elimination. So I hope you all really enjoy the clips that I've put together. Yeah, well, thank you for doing that because like I told you, I was like, I don't remember what we say from one, like one hour after we're done recording. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I have no idea. I have no idea what we were talking about. <laughs> we get into this weird mode and that's why like, so a lot of my friends at work are starting to listen to the show now and they will like text me things that I'll say or they'll like talk to me about it at work and I'm like almost embarrassed because I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what I said. Like, please don't tell me. Like, enjoy it. I love that. You love it. But like, don't, don't tell me what I say. <laughs> Yeah. Makes me embarrassed. I'm with you. Absolutely. So this should be real fun. I was going to say, this is literally all we're going to do. All right. So we are going to listen to the first clip from our very first episode ever, Expose Your Pig. Oh, God. Okay. From January 22nd, 2018. Hi. Hi. Hi, Keegan. Hi, Madigan. I'm Keegan Winfield. I'm Madigan Haggerty. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. Hey! Hi! Home. He brought me Chipotle. What? Oh gosh, I remember this. 
Listen to this. Is the ta- are the tampons in the Chipotle? Well, I don't see them. So they soaked, must in, be. soaked in salsa. Oh, they're gonna be warm. Ooh, warm, <laughs> warm tampons. Cozy. Have you, you ever wait? Have you ever used a tampon after it's been in your car for? <laughs> it feels Actually, great. Kind of pleasant. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Okay. That took me forever, by the way, because we took a break. Like, so we had to stop. Yeah. And then I think I put like elevator music or something in. You did. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And so I had to like find the music. It took me an embarrassingly long amount of time. It was very, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We tried a lot for the first episode, definitely, with that little break. <laughs> yeah, no, we did. Like, we did way too much. Like, that was before I knew that, like, oh, it doesn't have to be this hard. Like, yeah. you don't have to do this much, you know? Totally, totally. But, um, yeah, funny first clip to have, but it made me laugh. And also, like, that's so not part of our show anymore. Like, that's something we would have cut. Like, that never would have made it into the episode. Right. Yeah, totally. And that's why it's so funny. And, like, there's even parts where, like, you can hear Anthony in the background. And we mentioned the Chipotle multiple times. And it's just so funny. Like, it's so different than what we would do now. Yeah, I mean, and as you can hear also, the sound. We were in, like, an open room. Yeah. Basically. Like, yeah. we're at my kitchen table. Like, you'll see in that picture, kind of, like, it was... <laughs> not at all that was before we discovered the pod closet right before before even the pod closet let alone now our beautiful podcast room yeah i know it's beautiful grown. all right i don't know how to speak french know. i've never taken a class in my life which translates roughly to expose your pig a hashtag conceived by french journalist sandra mueller or muller good expose your pig <laughs> how dope is that uh, it's pretty. Yeah, that sounds, it's pretty dope. Dude. That's so oh, cool, man. And you know what's something that like that's ma- pretty dope fills dude. me. Okay, I shouldn't say it fills me with joy. People are gonna think that I'm just like the biggest bitch. But I mean, it does a little bit. When this started happening, like after Weinstein and all this stuff started happening, I was literally like sitting on the couch with Anthony one night, and we were watching. I don't know, like set, late night Seth and Myers or something like that. Uh-huh. And I was just like, Can you imagine the number? This is before like. All the other stuff, like before Matt Lauer, before everything else started coming out. I think it was like around the time Louis C.K. started getting heat Uh or Kevin Spacey. I was like, can you imagine the number of people in Hollywood or like executives or like high powered men who are just like, fuck. (laughs) Absolutely sweating. They're just scared. sitting there like, oh, no, no, Yeah, no, you're no, definitely no, no, not no, a bitch no, for no, thinking yeah. that. The and, moment I never thought would happen. And, don't, and, like, and, and I've heard people where they're like, oh, like, well, now everybody's going to be, uh, you know, called out. And yet, like, what? I can't do anything right anymore. I'm going to, like, say hi to a woman and blah, 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 blah. Hey, don't be a fucking creep. And this crazy. shit won't happen to you. I mean, I stand by that. I stand by everything I said there as well. But it's it's so funny because that was like kind of the year of Me Too. And that seems like so long ago. The fact that we're talking about like, oh my gosh, all of these people are finally going to be like outed and it's going to be this crazy thing where now like we have this whole cancel culture and it's like so part of our lives that it's so funny to think about how we were like, oh my gosh, it's like this new thing that people are actually being called out for their horrible behavior. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I do feel like the culture has has changed to be more accountable. Like there's more accountability culture, certainly. Um, however, like I also feel like 
so much has changed and nothing has changed, you right. know, because like all those men that I was like, oh, there's got to be so many people in Hollywood who are sitting there like terrified. Right. And then really after that wave, you didn't see a whole lot of it's been like little bits and pieces here and there. Like there will be um, I mean, I just saw recently and when I saw it, I remembered that I had also remembered this from years ago um, that Ansel Elgort yep. had mm-hmm. some yep. allegations against him and West Side Story just came out. And then I was like, oh, my God, I remember hearing about that like years ago too so I feel like there are still these people that are right and Chris being, Noth from Sex and the City like he has allegations yeah, as well I feel Hammer. like I mean there's so many of them but it but it, it's never gonna be I think like that moment where there really was this like wave of it and everybody like super gave a shit you know what I mean right. like everybody yeah. was watching and waiting for the next person to come out where it's not really like that anymore yeah floodgates were open yeah 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 totally I mean I think also we have we're at like max absorption, right? Like with like content and social media and everything else. It's just like we are exposed to things at such a high frequency now that I think it doesn't linger quite the same way. And not as if we weren't in in 2018, but it wasn't quite the same. Do you know what I mean? I just feel like social media move so quickly but also think about everything that's happened in the last four years yeah. I mean, we've been living in a pandemic now we're on our third year so there's so many other things that are going on in the news where it really was like the perfect timing for that movement to happen you know while trump was in office before the pandemic hit all this kind of stuff it was the first time i feel like there was this kind of like mass exposure of these of, of what these women are experiencing every day in all different types of workforces, not just, yeah. you know, the movie industry, yeah. you know? Wow. Big moment, big moment. Okay. Actually, I have to say that was far less cringy than I was expecting it to be. I like- did my best to be as like least cringy as possible. I didn't want this to be like too miserable, but I do think there are still going to be some moments of cringe. I'm absolutely certain (laughs) and I'm certain it's coming I have moments of cringe every single week when I listen back to myself so you know it's coming oh gosh okay well here we go so this I believe is from our first or second uh mini episode and we entitled it meet the feminists it was from January 29th 2018 so about a week after we released that first one right I listened to this one and um, listened to the whole thing no no (laughs) but like I did listen to the beginning of it and the the cringe is real for me on this. So here we yes. go. Um, I do believe that with this one, I focused more about how we met in our friendship and yeah. things like that yes. in the clip rather than us both talking about our own lives. Uh, so here we go. So we also realize that we are now, this will be technically episode two, but episode, kind three, of episode three, that's, that's released. There you go. There we, we go. we've kind of given you kind of any details at all about, no. about who we are. So well, we did an episode, kind of like a trial run, before we did our first episode that we actually sent out to you guys, um, where we talked a little bit more about personal stuff, but it was a lot of rambling and not use a gender lot language of content, like that. so yeah. we decided not to we try not to. It, <laughs> so we're going to kind of rewind a little bit and talk a little bit about how we know each other, who we are as people, so maybe you guys can um, kind of be more a part of our lives in this adventure that we're going on. Well, okay, a little background about me and Keegan's friendship. We've been friends for about six years, I think, we were covering. I moved to L.A. about 
like seven and a half years ago and or me about seven like you were here just a little bit before me yeah and i hit so my seven year mark on the second of january so yeah i was september so i was dating somebody who it seemed like pretty casual pretty cool i really liked him and he like introduced me to all of his like cool friends and stuff and <laughs> keegan was well, one of proud his cool to be considered friends. a cool friend i was one Very of his proud. cool friends girlfriends which is even cooler. <laughs> yeah, like, I was not even, like, in his inner circle. Okay, do you remember when I came over? We sat in the hot tub? We sat in the hot tub? Yes. Was that the first time we hung out? It was one of the first times. I just remember that. Listen to how tinny that sound is. so I much fun so and different. feeling like it's literally all you can hear. LA. Yes. I was by myself. I didn't have a car. I didn't know anybody. Um, I was just going to I school. I didn't have a car either. I was broke as hell. Right. I was but depressed. you felt so, like, isolated. You know what I mean? Yeah. <gasps> yes. And, like, and so, like, as soon as you start, like, feeling a part of something, you're like, oh, my God, I'm, like, finally when you, finding when you my way. Times to say, like, you feel like they're, like, they're, you finally made, like, real me too. friends. Right. Or people yeah. that, like, even, I mean, at that I point, like, do that, I don't though. think you and I had ever really had, like, a conversation. It no. It was just like, oh, my God, this person is, like, really cool, and I could be friends with this person. But that person. was cool. Be and actually, I have to tell you, I don't think I've ever told you this, like, now <gasps> that we're doing this. I know. Um, well, I mean, it's not that big a could deal, I but I do remember my first day at, at school. I won't yeah. say school. Um, my first day, um... And we all had to kind of, like, stand up and introduce ourselves, which you know is my least favorite thing on the goddamn planet yeah. to do. Like, still please don't true. Do I love still it and hate true. it. I hate it. I love it. Think about yourself. This is my oh, issue. I love worst. being center I kind of like it. Oh, I hate no, it. No, I love time. being the center of attention, but I don't like doing that. Like, I don't like having to, like, introduce myself <laughs> in that way. You know I what I mean? You. I like being the center of attention when somebody else gives me words to say, you know? Like, like yeah. in a play or whatever. I just stick with the same thing. Um, But I remember... That was probably one of my first days at uh-huh. school. And I remember, I, I legitimately can picture it in my mind's eye. I remember you standing up and introducing yourself. Me? Yes. Because we were in the same room together. Why were we in the same yeah, room together? I do because everyone that still. who was getting ready to get started was in the same day. room. And but we started at different times. But didn't you we? had come back. You had <gasps> like right. left. I, I remember that, that yeah. day. You Wait. said it when you introduced yourself. You said you said I'm mad again and I was here before, but I, I'm back or something. And like I think that. I remember saying too, like if you this have is any my questions. Cringy. Yes. I yeah, yeah, why is that cringy for you? If you have any questions, I'll help you out. No, that makes me feel good. I remember noticing you before you even knew who I was. Oh so. my god, that's yeah. the sweetest that's, that's actually really sweet. <laughs> I just remember meeting you and I remember seeing if I'm gonna, if we're going to be giving compliments, I just remember seeing you. You did a scene where you were you were in a pink like sparkly you know this dress and you were standing on a rooftop. That was my. Showcase. I have a picture yes. from that. And I that was thinking, Carla Carrillo's from my showcase. Yes. In that dress. And I, I remember just that. Remember Love that dress. That you were like so talented and so Thank wonderful. You. I really oh. do. And and that was I think I think we had met each other but we hadn't like really. Hung we weren't out much. like because you had dated a guy in my class. Yeah. Who? I didn't date him. You went out on. <laughs> Apparently, I stood him up. Oh, you stood him up. <laughs> I didn't know that I stood him up. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he was yeah. I don't care. We like, didn't, he really I didn't was. know so him. about you. Okay, okay. I didn't know. I didn't know. And this make this story honestly to this day actually makes me feel like a horrible person because I never ever in my life would have ever stood someone up. It was this guy that was in Keegan's class. He was cute, like, but I wasn't like. He's married now. I follow him on Instagram. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Good for him. He he does like carpentry. 
now. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's really, he has yes and tattooed on his chest still, I bet. Probably. I'm certain he does. He's got more <laughs> tattoos now and yeah. a beard. Oh, I bet he would look really good in a beard. Yeah, I can see like the beard carpenter yeah. kind of like look for him. Um, but yeah, he was really sweet. I do not recall being asked on a date. I do not recall setting up a date. I do not recall standing someone up on a date. But apparently I broke somebody's heart. Um, I mean, listen, we were like in our... I was like 19. Like this was forever ago. Yeah, but we were in our teens and it, we routinely got our hearts broken. He yes. recovered. I'm, trust I'm, me. I'm not going to give last names, but Matt, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. I did not even know that there was a date for me to stand you up on. <laughs> There are so many mats, too. So, so like, yeah. many mats. And I mean, there's also like a really bad mat. So you don't know who I'm talking about. He was a good mat. Though. He was a good mat. Yeah, he was a good guy. Good mat. Good mat. Okay, so we took a bit of an unplanned long break. It was intended to be a pee break for yep. my, my bladder that won't quit. And it turned out to be that Keegan wasn't feeling so well. So we took a few more days off of recording this episode because I truly think that this is such a fun experience for us to kind of be like going through like the virtual photo album, I guess the audio photo album of our last four years. And it's so, so fun. So I wanted you to be feeling well. I wanted us to be in good spirits and continue having fun. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I was all set to just push on through. Like I was like, okay, I started feeling bad. You didn't look it. Probably like, you know, like five, 10 minutes into our recording, I was starting to feel like not so great. And then you were like, I'm gonna, you know, take a quick pee break. And I was like, Oh, thank God. Like I just need like five minutes because I was like sweating through my clothes. I was like, just like a second and unfortunately the break just made it worse because sometimes your body when you relax for a minute it's like oh we're relaxing now and then you have to go back in and it's like so uh, thank you so much there's nothing worse than feeling like sick and sweaty like that too like yeah i can like feel it clammy and just you know so oh yeah i would just that would make me want to like lie on a bathroom tile floor so i really appreciate it i did spend the rest of the day in bed reading and sleeping reading and sleeping so (laughs) it sounds glorious and awful at the same time at least you were able to sleep and rest that makes me feel good yeah and I am feeling much much better now eager to continue yes we're gonna continue walking down memory lane so let's listen to this next clip that we have Uh, and I can tell already it's gonna be a doozy It's going to be a big one. So this next clip is from a not so many episode that we did on October 4th, 2018, where we discussed the Brett Kavanaugh hearing. So before we even play this clip, this is an episode that we talk about all the time in multiple Ask Me Anythings that we've done or times where we've discussed an episode that like has really stuck with us. Both of us have always mentioned this episode. So like, why do you feel that way? I think this was the first episode we did where we actually gave a trigger warning at the top. I, I'm pretty sure that this was the very first one where at the very top before we even get started, um, this moment in time which now feels like so long ago yeah like it feels like so long ago to me even though it was only a couple of years ago but like this moment in time when this was happening I remember just feeling this sense of like collective trauma yeah uh, a lot of people specifically a lot of women were having to relive their own sexual trauma yeah um 
in the form of this hearing and um, it was very difficult for us to go through and I think a big reason why is because we were all kind of feeling this solidarity with everyone around us and a lot of people were rehashing their own stories and so we were taking all of that in and I don't even think that I realized at the time even though it was obviously upsetting how like psychologically damaging that can be when you're just kind of like in a space where everybody is is talking about their trauma and and I'm glad that they were doing that but it's hard and I think that there's also an added level of I guess an experience that we go through every week and that is that we do a lot of research and things like that into a topic. So we're spending a lot of time with the things that we talk about on the show, particularly something like this. I remember doing a lot of research for this episode, getting a lot of background. And I think finally discussing it, being in a tiny closet with you, it was incredibly overwhelming. And I, listening back to it, and I believe it's what this next clip is, it was actually me just listening to you talk that got me really overly emotional. And I think it was just finally openly discussing all these things after doing the research and hearing these stories, watching it on TV and having it be the main topic of conversation for for so long and having such strong personal attachments to this story. Yeah, I think it was like, doing this episode was the first time where it was kind of like, oh shit, this is like not always going to be super emotionally easy on us. Right. Yes, yes, yes. And um, I just remember so vividly watching Christine Blasey Ford give her testimony and just knowing that she was putting herself through this only to be completely dismissed. And I just feel like so many people, specifically so many women, felt that so viscerally. Yeah. That like you you could be going through this thing and... She was all of us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she did. She represented all of us. Yeah. yeah. So now that we've discussed it a whole bunch, let's listen to the clip. The thing that stood out to me the most about her testimony that made me want to cry, we're talking about remembering... Brett Kavanaugh and Mike Judge laughing mm-hmm. together at, at her expense and her mm. being scared and she couldn't get out from underneath him and they were laughing. Ugh, they were God. having a good time. And that's what she said. They were having a good time. And how much this was obviously affecting her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the post that we made on our Instagram of her saying, like, I don't want to be here and it's not my job to decide what happens here, but I need to tell you what I know. Yeah. And, like, you guys need to make a decision based on that. Yeah. And then there was another time during her testimony where she said that she really weighed whether or not to come forward because she understood that there was a possibility that she could come forward and her life could get turned upside down and that it would all be for naught anyway. Yeah, Because <laughs> exactly. he could be confirmed, and that's a very, very real possibility that we are sitting in right now. Look what happened. So, she is a hero of ours, and... Um, Ugh, can I take a beat? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You good? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like that makes me makes me want to cry now. Even like when I when I hear that now, it makes me want to cry because I do. I just first of all, just the amount of empathy I have for her as a human being, like knowing what she was going through and watching her handle it with so much grace and composure in the face of something so horrible, and then also just 
that it, it, it just it it makes me feel like all of those times when I felt unsafe. It just like it, it's in my body. Yeah. Whenever she was talking about that, I forgot about that part of her testimony. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And- it's it's a heavy one, but I feel like it it's a very great indicator of like I feel our first moment of growth together. Yeah. For the show. Agreed. And also such a weird moment to listen back to now years later, especially knowing the results and knowing what's happened since then and everything else. Like there is some like naivete that I hear a little bit where it's like, if he becomes or, you know, there's still these, these ifs, ands or buts going on where now we like know all of these things that have happened and what's at stake in our Supreme court now because of, this you know right. and other things like yeah. it's infuriating to listen and be like you don't even know yet <laughs> right yeah I mean and it only got worse I mean that was before Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away and now right. we have another very conservative judge on the court I mean it is a great reminder of what is at stake in any given election right uh-huh. it's not just who is going to be the president right they have so much say and Brett Kavanaugh will he's in will be there and until he dies or retires. Yeah. Uh, so and it's so well, who's the other Amy something? Or Coney Barrett. Mm-hmm. Amy Coney Barrett. Yeah. yeah I couldn't yep. remember her name. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be here forever now. So fucking great. Right. And we're and we're looking not to, you know, bum everybody out. But like we are very possibly looking at an overturn of Roe v. Wade. Like look at these things that are happening yep. now as direct result of, uh, of what happened with this hearing. Really. Right. Which never should have. When you look at that when you look at that hearing Brett Kavanaugh any sane person can never. look at that and say like he never ever 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 should have been confirmed no and yet and yet here, here we, are. we are so let's completely turn this mood around this please <laughs> this next episode was a fun one and very special because well you'll see so what are we talking about today? We are talking about our favorite fictional feminists. Yes. And I feel like this could be an ongoing series. I so I kind of think should be. this is volume one, volume one of our favorite fictional And feminists. I, I think there's about a 98% chance that we're doing the same person. I think that there's a very good chance. So originally the idea was for us I knew each we to were. pick I knew our we were. favorite fictional we feminist. And it could be from a movie, from a book, from a TV show. Yeah. Um, really, it could be anything. And... I'm pretty sure that we ended up doing the same person. And what's interesting is that this person and this show reminds me of you. Because- same. Oh, gosh. Okay. Hold <gasps> okay. on. Okay. We're going to say it at yeah. the same time. Okay. One, One two, three. Topanga! Yes! <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that one was so much fun. Genuinely, yes. like, listen... I love doing the hard-hitting episodes. Like, the Kavanaugh episode, I think, is actually really important. And I think that that's an episode that, like, we can listen back on in 20 years. And it's such a time capsule of, like, what was happening in that moment. Yeah. But I also love doing these, like, lighthearted, very fun 
episodes. And that one, I know we talk about it in the episode, but Boy Meets World was such a big show for you and I. Oh my gosh, I still own it on DVD. I own the seasons on DVD. And like we would watch it together. We would be drinking wine coolers that like I have a great photo of us where we were both like in our pajamas at Ralph's buying wine coolers. Oh yeah, yeah, like limeritas or something. Yeah, and then we would either have like rice-a-roni or mac and cheese or something and we would paint our nails and we would crochet and we would drink and we would watch Boy Meets World world yeah. for hours and hours and hours and yeah. hours yeah and you know boy meets world obviously it like has its cultural significance yeah but i do feel like it's one of those shows that you kind of have to be in a very specific age bracket for it to have like hit super hard yeah you know? like, yeah and i and i think that you and i are just like we're in that age bracket where it was like actually super super important it was my favorite show and, and the fact that like oh my gosh and the fact that there was like the dvds and that it was like out on the internet like the fact that we could watch it again was like oh my gosh it was like the first time i think i rewatched it since like being a kid except for like episodes on like abc right, family right. And oh stuff. my god this makes us sound ancient but i will say this like when we were first watching boy meets world together it was like i don't know like 2012 or something like that and and back in my day like streaming services weren't really big at that time. No, they like, weren't. You know, like at that time, I think Netflix was still just DVDs at that point for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I think that we could stream, but it wasn't like now where you can kind of get on your phone and be like, "Where can I watch Boy Meets World?" Yeah, right? and like find a streaming service where you can either get it for free or you can buy the episodes or whatever. Yeah, like, if we had to have it on DVD, yeah, to like to watch it, watch it, and same like I hadn't watched it since I was a kid other than the odd episode here or there you know do you want to hear me really age our friendship oh gosh we used to go to Blockbuster together oh my god <laughs> there was a Blockbuster in North Hollywood that's to, now, a now a pet store oh I thought it was the paint store no it it's called to- Unleashed I drove by it the other day oh yeah. my god yeah it's a pet store now it's oh very obviously used to be a Blockbuster because it has a big thing at the top that's in the shape of that. The oh I thought shape. we went to a different one because there was one on Buena Vista that is now a paint store Oh, I don't Maybe know. I'm thinking of a different one. But yeah, I just remember going to Blockbuster with you around that same time. Yeah. Wow. Aging ourselves. But I mean, getting back to Topanga here, I mean, she was, I think, for both of us, such a huge influence for someone on television that was like a young, badass, weird, offbeat, but yet very accepted character that I think resonated with so many young well, girls. Her and Lisa Simpson, who I did on a, on another uh-huh. a subsequent episode of, of Fictional Feminist, but her and Lisa Simpson, I think to me, were my first exposure to a really approachable, accessible idea of a feminist. Because I feel like when that I even was... even use those words in right, the shows yeah, too. Because yeah. when I was coming up, you know, as a kid in the 90s, I feel like feminism could very easily be like a dirty word, right? Oh, definitely. Or like, it's all like, you know, bra burners and like angry man-hating women, misandrists, right? They're like, they're always witches and stuff. <laughs> right. Whereas like, which is nothing wrong with that. But Topanga and Lisa Simpson and these characters that I was exposed to very young were my first kind of like, they could just be like really cool, independent, badass chicks you know (laughs) totally totally and I forgot to say at the top but that was from April 9th 2018 wow so the next clip is going to be from our very first 
coming out episode that we did. So we are actually sharing another listener's story that we were sent in June 25th, 2018. So I've got the next one here. Hey, so I don't usually do this sort of thing because it feels stupid. It feels (laughs) dumb, but... And I know I'm young. I think this story kind of matters. I'm going to cry. It happened when my family was discussing why there should be an LGBT community, but instead of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and trans, it should be LGBTH. H being for heterosexual. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. For some reason, closeted me was just so angry. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I flipped out. I ran to my room. When my sister came to check on me, instead of saying, that's offensive and mocky of them, them being the LGBT community, I said, us. That was the moment I came out to my sister and to myself, saying, us. Because, yeah, it was us. It is us against anger and hate and bigotry. Later, as I came out as bisexual, I heard it all. You're confused. Just choose slash if you had to choose. Oh, God. It's a phase. But nah. Why would I listen to it? It's like having weights. Weights that every day make you want to hide in the closet. To hide yourself. And that's why, at least to me, the hardest part was not coming out to others, but to yourself. Accepting something that you're not really sure about. Loving a part of you that you have never known. Knowing how to live and enjoy the world that you don't have a map in. Yeah, it sucks not having supportive people, but it sucks more when you are that person. So my biggest hurdle was me. Me loving me. Me changing. Me growing and seeing that side of myself that has always been there but buried and hidden. And goddamn, I'm so happy and free and beautiful and loved by so many, including me. I'm gonna cry. Like, seriously. And... I love how they start off the message by being like, I know I'm really young. And but then I proceed with the matters. most like eloquent I know. email I've ever read in my whole life. And I mean, you know? and like have if, if there's one thing and there's many things that I have learned from the listeners throughout this past four years. But I think a really, really big thing that I've learned is that there really is no age limit when it comes to intelligence and especially when it comes to emotional intelligence in fact I think that the younger you are the easier it is almost to be in tune with that where I almost feel like as I've gotten older I've lost touch with that a little bit and I think that having this connection with our listeners that are younger is helping me stay very like I was going to say helping me stay hip. Oh, God. (laughs) Helping, but like helping me stay evolved and helping me stay um, aware. I feel like I I, I learn so much from people I feel like that don't have the same like jaded outlooks and stuff that I feel like a lot of people our age do. And there is something about the way that that message was written that is so beautifully, simply, and eloquently put but so smart. And it's just a great example of like the the types of things that I feel like I've learned from the people that have written into us. Yeah, I mean, that is who I wish I would have been. Yeah. At that age. That's, that's who I wish I would have been because I do think, and this is what I'll say specifically to our younger listeners, like trust yourself because like I think that's the ultimate message there is that they had to learn to trust and accept themselves the way that they were. And I do feel like, you want to do that, especially when you're at that age, when you're coming up, right? Like adolescence, teens, like you want to 
express express yourself and you want to feel those things but for me i repressed that to such a degree you know and i I feel like getting older has actually allowed me to be more like open in myself but i'm upset that it took so long yeah so trust your instincts like when you're younger those things that are starting to pop up for you just lean into them yeah you know trust it and see where it goes and if somewhere down the line you feel like you want to veer off to another direction and and whatever that means you know what I mean like just continue to follow your own intuition and your own gut yeah what a beautiful message so beautiful you can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything you might shop while working eating or even listening to this podcast and however you shop we all know and love the thrill of the hunt but do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals because Rakuten shoppers do With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, this next clip... I'm looking at your notes right now and I am, I'm upset. I'm upset already. You're upset. Okay. Our next clip, I think actually clips are going to be from when we discussed the documentary, The Red Pill and discussed men's rights activists. Was this your idea? Whose idea was it it to watch this documentary? It was my idea because I apologized for it during the episode. Uh, I heard it again during the re-listen. I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't I wasn't aware of the angle this was going to take. No, I, I'm glad we watched it, genuinely. But I'm, it was I'm, the <sighs> But at the time I mean, listen, uh, listen to our episode so you don't have to watch it because yeah. it was some weird MRA propaganda. You had the ultimate pick me girl there yeah. who was just like, I'm on your side, misogynists. And you're like, what? Wait. <laughs> and Cassie, wait. What? Oh my God, I forgot that was her name. You have yeah. a great memory. My goodness. Oh God. All right. So this lovely gem of an episode was from August 13th, 2018. You're upset with power structure that was built upon gender dynamics that you believe are unequal. It's exactly the same thing that feminists believe. Exactly. And in fact, feminists in general, if you are a true feminist, you believe in wanting everyone to be able to make their own decisions. Exactly. Um, And if you are a feminist 
quote-unquote feminist who is a male-bashing person, to me that falls more in line with misandry. It is misandry, yeah. And so they're misunderstanding, like these men are totally misunderstanding the difference between a feminist and a misandrist. And I don't like it when people are misandrist at all because it's true. Like we have to look at the fact that there are other people besides just women. And I feel like typically the misandrists are a lot of like the white feminists. Oh, and for I sure. Feel like this or turfs, movie, like you know, yeah, trans exclusionary yes. radical feminists. Yeah. And I feel like this movie is super white feminist. I saw one person of color, one in the entire movie. There's yeah. no talk of homosexuality. Or of race um, dynamics, or of gender inequality, as far as when it comes to people who are on the gender spectrum, they don't identify as a man or a woman. Trans rights, they don't touch on any of this. This is a very white feminist movie, and that's the other thing that made or me whatever really mad. The, or whatever the men's rights activist equivalent, equivalent of, of, white, of feminism. A white feminism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that that's interesting. That 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 documentary very much was extremely heteronormative. It, like, was, it was like super men's heteronormative. rights and women's rights. Yeah, and and the woman who was on the side of feminism, quote-unquote, was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed white woman who was very sheltered and wanted to be an actress. And it was like this whole thing where I don't think she truly was this like staunch intersectional feminist no. before she started this. No. So I think what I was talking about too a little bit here when talking about how this movie feels so like white feministy to me because how easy she was fooled by just hearing statistics of the fact of, you know, men's suicide rates and all of those things, but you're not getting into all of the different intersections about what type of man is going through this. And they're also throwing out all of these other things at you, like men are success objects while women are sex objects. And they're they're throwing out all these other things where to someone that hasn't maybe done the research, like this Cassie person, she's like, oh my God, yeah, it totally makes sense. Like men have it just as hard as us. And then that's just kind of like where she took it. Yeah, and I know that we touch on this in the episode, I can't remember because I did not re-listen to this episode, but I know that we do touch on that some of the concerns that these like self-proclaimed MRAs have aren't little concerns. Like they are, there are valid concerns like, Very. you know, the fact that, you know, there are a lot of mental health issues that a lot of men experience that don't get talked about enough. But, but those are all byproducts of patriarchy. Yes. That feminism is trying to work to undo. And you honestly, know? that is the one thing that we say over and over and over again in that episode is like, y'all need feminism. Like you're, you've got this wrong. You need feminism. Right. Like all, what you're talking about is toxic masculinity. That's what you want to fight against, but you're not finding the words. Right, for it. right. And it's also like it's interesting that a lot of these MRAs will constantly point towards misandry and yeah. like, oh, they all hate men and feminism is hating men. Well, you all with, fucking hate women. Well, clearly, but also without any nuance or maybe like looking at the centuries upon centuries of oppression that have led a lot of women to be in that mind space. Now, yeah. I'm I'm not saying, you know, personally, like I'm I'm not pro misandry, but I do understand where somebody gets to that point in radical feminism. Maybe we should look at that. Yeah. Right. Because like we've discussed it many times, like when we talked about like Shulamith Firestone and like all these great kind of like second wave feminists who did lean towards a more like radical feminism almost leaning towards misandry in that way and 
you don't have to necessarily agree with where they ended up, but you can understand how they got there, (laughs) right? You know, and I feel like not taking even a moment to examine that like centuries of oppression and the way these power structures have been laid out for ever has led people, you know, in in one direction. And they weren't willing to look at any of that. They were only willing to look at the issues that they felt directly affected them. And I feel like a lot of it was very like hot button topics and issues. And things All I like remember that. are Cassie's video diaries. Oh, where, where are, she's, you a per, are you doing a perfect segue for me right now? Because oh, I'm pretty sure we talk about that in our next clip, Keegan. So wonderful. hold that thought. Great. Yeah. And then so we get 10 minutes in and she has these little like video diaries. See, what did I tell you? <laughs> oh God, I wanted to fast forward through those video diaries so bad. They're the worst. We're 10 minutes into the movie and she's already like, I feel like my feminist views are being challenged. I'm so conflicted. And she's like, well, because with feminism, like I understood it because I'm a woman and I've been through those things. But like, I just can't understand the male perspective because I'm not a man. Which is the most white feminist thing you could ever right? say. Right? Like, you can't understand somebody else's struggle. You have no empathy to understand someone else's struggle because you haven't been through it. Yeah, she's like, I just never thought of it like this. I'm like, you're no, she's, dumb. Th- that's the thing about this. It's like, any praise that she's gotten for this documentary, I'm like, why? Because yeah, to I me, everything it. about this film was not only like slanted, Again, got some good information, but like it was slanted and also like her perspective. She was so easily swayed by whoever she was sitting with. Yeah. She never challenged them. No. She, she sat which, and listened and nodded. Right. You know, but she never, even whenever she was talking to feminists, anyone who she was sitting with, she didn't, she didn't say didn't a thing and challenge someone, them. Someone like complimented her interviewing skills, and I was like, she doesn't interview them. No, she sits she and just listens. She just sits there and records yeah. it and then uses those sound bites throughout the film yeah. when it's convenient. For exactly. Her. Like exactly. it's not good filmmaking. No. No, it's really not. We were furious. And I don't know if this is going to be in the next clip or not, or if I got rid of it, because I think there was like five clips from this episode that I was like, I got to pick like two or three. I got to like narrow it down. But we talk about how like at one point she and um, Mark, who was one of the main like interviewees. Yeah. Keegan, not a visual medium, is like rolling her eyes and oh making a Oh my God. Like I am just reliving having to watch this documentary. And oh, the- but she's like cuddled on the couch with him barefoot at the end and they're like chatting about their experiences. They're like so chummy and besties afterwards. Like it's, oh, it's so cringy. It's the worst. I hate it. I just remember, I just have a vision in my head of her like, physically unable to comprehend the information in her video diaries. Like she's got like just fingers to temples looking like so like mind blown and confused. Like it's, I, you know, I want to know where she ended up. I'm going to Google her after this. We have to, we have to. Okay. So there's one more clip. I don't remember what's in this one. This is what I want to drive home at the end of this episode. And I'm so sorry if that was like really upsetting and disturbing to you, but I feel like it needs to be said for all the things that they have legitimate reasons to be upset about. This is not a benevolent group of men working to help these issues. This is a group of angry men who don't like to be held accountable for anything. They don't want to be held accountable for their own desires. They don't want to be held accountable for the fact that they want to be with girls who are girls and not women. Yeah. They don't want to be held accountable for the fact that there are members of their gender that rape girls all the time and yeah. that those numbers might be maybe are legitimate 
I have a question. Where was Cassie on January 6th? That's what I want to know. I want to know if she got radicalized to the point where she... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Was that at is the insurrection. a great question. You know, but that's... I remember that as well now, is that, like, she... It's part of what makes that movie so useless to watch because she doesn't really have a point of view. And I understand that that might be like her point that she like. Yeah, went she in, went in with like the thesis of being like open minded. Yeah. Or whatever. But she she doesn't even back it up with anything. And she just kind of molds herself. She's so clearly terrified of confrontation. Yeah. That she just molds herself to whoever she's speaking with, which is not a good way to have a dialogue. Like you have to have opinions. Right. And it's not a great way to be an interviewer either because then you're not asking questions maybe that should be asked or you know you're not delving into the full story if you're just you're not intellectually challenging the person you're speaking to yeah, at all yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so another one that kind of falls under the same category but was next in line chronologically this is going to be a clip from our toxic masculinity episode And that was from September 9th, 2019. Men immediately get very defensive as soon as you say the words toxic masculinity because they assume, I think a lot of the time, that you are calling masculinity toxic. Yes. Which is not... It's not what that is. Yes. And I also find it interesting that this is a term that's been used for, you know, not a super long time, but quite some time. And it's like, it's a psychological term. It's something that psychologists kind of uh, coined. And there's a lot behind it that's more psychological rather than just it being like a media catchy phrase. You know what I mean? And here's the thing about, about toxic masculinity is while it is of course detrimental to women it is absolutely like detrimental to women it's detrimental to um men and their relationships with women beyond anything else i think when doing my prep for this episode what really resonated with me is that it's the most detrimental to men themselves it is and i think that's kind of what we were just talking about with the red pill as well is that there is this there's this lack of awareness when it comes to discussing toxic masculinity where it sounds like it is attack on masculinity when in fact it is just an attack on a very unhealthy way the society has portrayed masculinity and enforced masculinity on us through generations and generations. It's not saying that every single man or masculinity is inherently toxic and people like men's rights activists will not look into that enough to be able to realize that literally a lot of the things they're talking about that like anger them, like we can't show emotions, we can't be blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, because of fucking toxic masculinity. Right, because of of patriarchy, patriarchy, right? Like if all things were equal and you were allowed to be vulnerable and be soft and share the workload and, you know, all of those things, then a lot of these other things that you're so concerned about would go away. They Uh wouldn't be as prevalent a part of our culture. Um, And I remember for this episode watching, I think, The Mask We Live In, I think is the name of that Yes, I think I remember you mentioning that. And if, if that's not the right one, it's something like that. And I would highly recommend that everybody watch that because Bell Hooks talked a lot about this. Like she Mm -hmm. talked a lot about the inclusion of men within feminism because of the disservice that we do to our 
men right. in this culture because yeah. uh, we put this like toxic view of masculinity onto them and we um, we portray anything feminine because we don't respect Women, Women. we portray anything that is feminine as weak and we equate emotions and crying as being feminine and therefore weak. Right. Right. And it does such a massive disservice, not only to the women who have to go through life interacting with these people, but also for men in their own emotional and mental lives. Like, yeah. And it has truly devastating consequences, right? There is the reason why the suicide rate is so high amongst men, you know, like. And there's a reason why also there is so much violence against women as well. Absolutely. It goes both ways. Yeah. So it's infuriating. All right. It looks like there is another clip from the toxic masculinity episode. Let's talk a little bit about some traditional stereotypes that are put into this gender norm that can be seen as toxic for toxic masculinity. It says men being socially dominant, along with traits including homophobia, misogyny, prominent violence, sexual assault, and domestic abuse. The socialization of boys normalizes violence with the whole boys will be boys thing. And the other thing, too, is that we don't allow boys to have any other emotions rather than anger. That's something that was, that became very obvious to me in acting school. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you experienced yes, that too. absolutely. Where men had a very hard time in class expressing anything other than anger and they had a hard time connecting to any other emotions. And over time, it shifts to asserting power over another, particularly when masculinity is threatened, which is what you were saying. Like, as soon as somebody calls you a sissy, or for lack of better use, a pussy. Right. It's like, they're like, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to be known as that. And that's when, that's their only instinctive reaction is anger right. and, and violence. Part of, part of why it is so toxic, and it, part of why it translates into toxicity towards women is because, at its core, inherently, it is the rejection of anything feminine. Yeah. Right? Like, you... And and because of that, like, if you are always taught, don't be a sissy, don't be a pussy, um, all of these things that are honestly equated to womanhood, yeah. then, of course, you are going to start to demean women because they are clearly below you. Yeah. Yeah. You are superior to them clearly because that is something that you are trying to avoid at all costs Yeah, is being equated to anything feminine. Look at you remembering what you said. Well, I mean, not much has changed. Not much has changed. Yeah. And this episode is one of our most listened to episodes. If you look at our analytics and it's very clear why to me. I think people are always striving to understand toxic masculinity um, because I think that that term was used so broadly and people had such strong reactions to it, like we said, because they hear the word masculinity and they think men. And so they think we are saying men, men toxic, you know, and that's not at all what that means. And in fact, I feel like having more open discussions about it, it's, it's just better for everybody at the end of the day, as someone who, not that I want to be this person who's just like, as someone with brothers, but truly, like, having grown up with three brothers, I think it's so important that... It's important for men to learn these things. Yeah, that we, you know, allow space for men to be vulnerable with themselves, with us, and with each other. If we can accept women taking on more masculine traits, roles... 
um, you know, sports styles, anything like that, we should have the same respect for any male identifying person who wants to express or any type of person really who wants to express their femininity that shouldn't be seen as something any different from how we used to see like a quote unquote Tom girl or tomboy. Right. You know what I mean? And I think it's it's moving in that direction. I think I'm so too. I'm very like encouraged by what I'm seeing now. Well, and what I wanted to say too, what I was thinking about listening to that last clip is we've had a few people who've written into us who've talked about like I believe there was like a mother and son that listened yeah. to us that reached out recently. Mm-hmm. There are, you know, brothers and sisters. There are, you know, I love that there are families or relatives and friends that listen to this together of all genders because I think it's so important to be able to have an open conversation about these things, not just with people who are like you, but with people that have had different life experiences than you so we can reach a better goal of intersectionality as a whole. Yeah, and can I also say that this episode came out in 2019 and I already feel like we've had something of a culture shift um, towards a more openness towards vulnerability for male identifying people like I'm already seeing it you know I see it a lot more on social media than I did in the past there's a lot more people talking about the fact that men need to be I mean allowed to be more emotionally vulnerable yeah, as our listeners have probably heard by now, the news in the morning at my house is Sports Center. Um, so I get a good uh, daily dose of toxic masculinity. But I do have to say, even within that, I feel like we've had a lot of discussions about worlds that are typically very like hyper masculine and seeing more and more examples of people coming forward and being true to themselves, whether it be in their sexuality or their gender identity or in the way they express themselves that might be seen as a little bit more feminine. It would traditionally be very frowned upon, I think, by a lot of sports fans and other people where I'm starting to see a lot more acceptance of people being outside of the box yeah. more and more. Yeah. All right. So this next clip is from, it's another heavy one. It is from the first time that we talk about uh, Black Lives Matter and the protests. So this would have been a remote recording from June 5th, 2020. Middle of the pandy. Middle of the pandy. I mean, well, we're still in the middle say, of the pandy. I was like, that was still like the beginning of the pandy if we're really going to think yeah. about it. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been this angry. And I think it's in large part because I'm so fucking tired of this. Like, I'm so fucking tired of this. We did this six years ago like you've got my ass out there in a fucking pandemic for something that i've already protested about numerous times in the last six years you want to know why people are so angry people are so angry because they never get convicted right and my guess is this time Derek Chauvin will get convicted. The other three, I don't know. But Derek Chauvin will probably get convicted. But let me tell you right fucking now, the only reason any of them are arrested is because of the protests. Yeah, There are protests in every state 
in this country and in something like 18, 18 other, countries. other countries. It's insane. So we've let been me getting tell you. We've been getting messages from people in other countries mm-hmm. saying that they support it. Like it's my brother's in fantastic. London and he texted me today and he's just like I'm getting more involved in Black Lives Matter. This is what's happening here in London. And let me tell you like proud sister moment. I'm absolutely so proud of yes. him. I told him I was proud of him because also we come from a very conservative family so I'm like I know it's hard. Um to be vocal and to stand up for what you believe in. So I'm really proud of him. But I do want to point that out is like all these people who are like, we, there's no need for all of this. There's absolutely need for all of this because I guarantee you a hundred fucking percent. This never would have happened if we had not been protesting. And if they are convicted, it is because we were so loud about it. That is the only reason. And we can't stop being loud. Yeah, that was the biggest thing that we were concerned about, even in the very first discussion about the protests for Black Lives Matter was the concern that we had for its longevity. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost hard to believe that it was so big. Yeah. At the time. And it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. But I knew I had this just devastating, sinking feeling um, I mean, luckily, I, th- I think hopefully I was talking about Ahmaud Arbery's killers when I said the other three and then Derek Chauvin. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, yeah, I think in, in with the Derek Chauvin one, you were talking about the other three officers that were on the scene. Oh, OK. But I, I believe in this episode oh, that's right. we right. do. I don't know if it's in the next clip that we're going to hear, but I do know that you that we do discuss Ahmaud Arbery in this well, episode as well. Ahmaud Arbery's murderers have been convicted as well as Derek Chauvin. And I do stand by that. None of that would have happened without the uprisings that happened that summer. Right. Um, but it is disappointing and sad to me that things didn't take off quite the same way. I do think that a lot of people became more aware and more involved than they otherwise would have been. And those people now live with that knowledge, which I think is not nothing. Right. Um, But I also look at where we are now in terms of like critical race theory and the, the backlash that has happened across conservative America in regards to educating people about not only race, but also sexual orientation and gender, and it's spread out to a lot of other things, but it specifically with like CRT. And it's, it's just exhausting. And it's, yeah. it's somewhat disappointing. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it is. I mean, I was going to mention kind of similarly to what you said about the fact that we did kind of I think a lot of people left that time with a lot more education than yes. they did in the yeah. beginning, which is great. I mean, we a lot are of people, people read a lot of books. A lot of people read a lot of books. I mean, this is stuff that we tend to do all the time because it's like our job, and we, you know what I mean. And, and we do a lot of research and reading and things like that. So I think that a lot of other people kind of started to get into that practice as well. I also think that um, when it comes to our media when it comes to our representation I feel like the the pressure cooker was just turned up a little bit and I feel like we are still kind of feeling the effects of that in some way it's just unsettling to me that that same 
drive for wanting to make like policy change and wanting to really crack down on police violence and gun violence and chokeholds and all of these things like that were very specific to us at the time that we really wanted to attack head on. I feel like it's those very like specific, more political things that have kind of fallen by the wayside, especially because there has been a lot of like better media representation and replacements for things. Like I think there was a joke on SNL where they were making a joke about um, how they even canceled Aunt Jemima. Like we mm-hmm. haven't seen her since. Like mm-hmm. she's gone, you know. So there were all of these major symbolic changes. Symbolic changes. Symbolic yeah. changes. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of things that are very wonderful, but that, that energy that we all felt and that drive isn't there anymore. Right. I mean, and, to some degree, I understand it. I mean, we would be exhausted. Because everybody is exhausted. That's the problem. Um, you know, we're, we've been so ultra-saturated the last few years with... Tragedy. Tragedy and trauma, and it's been hard. However, it's always going to be hard. That's the thing about being anti-racist, is that it is hard. It is yeah. exhausting. Um, but I do think that a lot of people who are still dedicated to that fight are continuing to educate themselves. And right. I- and it's harder for people to close their eyes now. And that's yeah. not nothing that that's worth something is that like, whereas maybe it was easier for you to turn away. Now you have the knowledge and maybe now right? you also know what to be looking for and yeah. how to react to sit in certain situations and things like yeah. that. Exactly. Totally. Have these conversations with people. Uh, that's what's going to change people's hearts and minds. Honestly, and at the end of the day, if you can't change their hearts or minds, fuck them. And you fuck can go em. ahead and cut them off. I don't give a shit. I stand by that. I, I think that's why I added it. that. I was like, well, that can't like not be in there because, man, is that like, I mean, I believe so hardcore in the block feature. It's, it's absolutely my like mentality at this point in my life where I I have so much empathy and compassion in my heart I you know I saw I saw a tweet that was like I'm so full of love and anger like a lava lamp and I'm like that is how I feel like I am so full of love and rage yes and like I have so much empathy and compassion and I want to help get you there but if at the end of the day you're going to keep denying my humanity and the humanity of others then fuck you we're done like you know we don't need to talk about it anymore thank you next that's right our next clip is from our celebration after the election of Joe Biden as president (laughs) elect let's see how that went (laughs) Yesterday, so we are recording on Sunday, and yesterday, of course, uh, everyone will know that Joe Biden was announced as the president-elect of the United States. What, what? Very exciting. I'm really happy. We're so happy. What I feel, though, is that with this loss, a lot of the power is sucked out, right? Whereas, like, you had these people who felt very emboldened in their beliefs. Well, they were being Um, validated because it was the president. It was the president, right? right? So they're in control, or they think they are, of this country because the president is on their side and backing all of their beliefs. now that that aspect isn't there anymore, I think that there will be people who still cling, but I think that there will be people who at least become far less loud right? Um, and kind of fade. Well, 
Huh, do you think there will be people that'll be less loud and fade? What happened a couple months later, Keegan? I mean, like the next month, like a couple of weeks later. Well, yeah, this, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, yeah, like a month, a month and a couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, listen, <laughs> we were so young and innocent. So young and, sweet. and cute. And we thought that, you know, we weren't happy about Biden and Harris. I mean, we were happy about Biden and Harris, but. You all know that was not our top pick at any point during this whole election process. So while we were so happy and relieved that Trump was out of office, um, I think that's mostly what we're feeling. It's like Trump is gone. Ding dong. The witch is dead. You know, (laughs) it's a weird thing to look back on and comment on because, I mean, our listeners would know, obviously, if they had listened to like all of the many episodes leading up to the election, they knew where we stood on things like it was it was uh Warren and Bernie for me like that's what I was like I wanted one of them yeah to get, get the nomination you know Biden was definitely not my pick and we were critical of and he him. wasn't even like in the running if I if I'm gonna kind of go back right. in my memory yeah. like I don't think he performed very well no. for like most of the campaign and then not until the, the very end, end that he kind of like got it was his like way a in tortoise there. in the hair situation he yeah just like definitely it zoomed was up at the end something else and we had a whole Biden and Harris episode where we go into their histories and all of that before they were actually elected um so that's just some context there especially because we sound so happy there we were then. happy. We that's, were so happy. That's then. why it's hard to talk about is because we were relieved. Like, yeah. that's the thing. And I'm I stand by us being happy. God damn it. I mean, and honestly, I'm still relieved that Trump isn't the president. So for sure. Now, with that said, I literally just had a conversation with Anthony like <laughs> recently, like last night, I think, where I said that I think that. Trump or someone like him will win the nomination in 2024. I think you said that on a mini last week yeah, or two um, weeks ago. Yeah, I think that that is, is going to happen. And I Trump do think 2.0. because of this this entire situation that it is going to be worse. Sorry. Uh, but I do feel like a lot was learned from the Trump presidency and they know how to do it now in a more quote unquote legitimate way, mm. um, which is very, very scary. However, in that moment, the intense, massive relief that I think the entire country really felt. Yeah, and we needed it. The entire one half of the country really felt like a a huge sigh of relief. And God, did we earn it. We needed that sigh of relief. Yeah, I remember like LA was just, everyone was like honking horns. People were like in the street. Like it was, I popped champagne. It was, it was a day. It was a fucking day. All right, let's hear another clip from that episode. And seeing them on stage, I that was something that was really that really hit me pretty hard. I didn't really cry. Like when I heard the news, I wow, was just so shocking. excited and happy, and I didn't, didn't cry. cry. And I, I still I haven't cried like in a serious way. But whenever I was watching, You're a robot. <laughs> I know something <laughs> wrong with me. But when I was watching um, Kamala give her speech yesterday and Biden give his speech you know of course Kamala's speech did get me a little misty-eyed talking about you know oh yeah a a woman and a brown woman and a black woman having done this thing Uh, but something that really really hit me very hard was when both families came on stage and for the first time I'm seeing color on stage with the first and second families you know you have black people you have these adorable little black girls in their white dresses Mm -hmm. on stage and it was like, wow. 
Right. I mean, obviously, it's not the first time, right? We had the Obamas, but you know what I mean. Like, well, no, you were. I think you were saying for the first time, like as this group, right? In and in this position, right? Like Kamala being not the first lady, not yeah. the spouse of someone, and but then actually, we never saw her again. Where is she? Where are you, Kamala? So these next clips are going to be from our fangirling over Garrison episode, and. Very fun. It's a fun one. It's funny to me, again, that this is like one of, this was a pick for one of my favorite episodes. We talk about how it's funny that we chose a man to talk about during Women's History Month and why that's weird. But uh, we both just totally fell in love with this human. And there's so much joy when we discuss his story um, that I it, it became one of my favorite episodes. Well, he's one of those people who like, I like to point to when people say like, it was just the time. Yeah. Like, that person was just a misogynist because of the time that they were born in. They were just a racist because of that time. And it's like, you always have people like Garrison who you can point to and say, no, no, there were people alive at that time who were very progressive in their views. So right. the problem is you and you wanting to hold on to power because Bam. people like this existed. Exactly. All righty, Madigan. Here we are. Second we are. week of Women's History Month talking about a man. I was just going to say we're going to talk about a dude. Garrison. So I just refer to him as Garrison throughout all of it's this. It's like George Harrison in one. Garrison. <gasps> Oh my God! Did we, we just come up with my boy it. name? I no. hope so. Okay, no, I'm not <laughs> well, even going to I'd have to call him Gary. I'm not calling a boy Gary. Fuck that. That would no. be his only nickname for Garrison. All of our Gary listeners are super mad. <laughs> <laughs> every, every Gary, there's like a thousand Gary listeners that we don't know about that listen. We have like a whole Gary following, and we and lost them all. All of them <laughs> just yes, turned this gone. off. <laughs> Sorry, Gary's. And he was so heartbroken. He was so heartbroken. And what's interesting is that after his death, he began attending mm -hmm. spiritualist circles in hopes Mm -hmm. of contacting his wife in another life, Keegan. (laughs) Oh, my God. Gosh, what sign was Garrison? I want to know. So, like, sensitive. (laughs) He just loved her so much. Oh, my God. Stop. (laughs) I know. I was reading about this earlier, and I I texted you because (laughs) I was just like, I'm like gonna cry i'm not okay (laughs) like i'm not okay Uh, yeah so unfortunately only a few years later william lloyd garrison's health started to suffer as well he was suffering from kidney disease i can get that to new york to live with his daughter fanny and her family fire sign he's got to be his condition worsened Mm. the next month all of his kids came to his side they sang their favorite hymns to him while he beat (laughs) time with his hands and feet because he was too weak to sing along (laughs) and on may 24th dorothy my dog's birthday (laughs) 1879 garrison lost consciousness and died just before midnight yeah i love i like i recommend that if you didn't listen to that episode you go back and listen because it's again one of those where we're just kind of having a lot of fun talking about this person yeah this person is also tremendous and had such a huge huge impact on the you know suffragist movement from and the early like feminism movement and the abolition movement yes i mean he was uh 
he just kind of had his uh, hands in all in all sorts of pots. What's the phrase right. I'm looking for? Yeah. My metaphors that are works. all mixed up in my head. That totally works. Um, but yeah, like he was just kind of like all over the place. And who was it? It was Frederick Douglass that he became really close with and they became really good friends and there was like some drama in there and all of this. But I remember also watching a PBS documentary before this that yes. we both watched that yeah. was like super so triggering at points, but like really, really well done they and had, really like, reenactments. awesome. That were like really yeah scary of like people getting whipped and beaten it was like it was a whole thing but it was so good and I I so enjoyed the research for that episode and I so enjoyed doing that episode it's one of my favorites that man had such an acute sense of justice yeah of like right and wrong that I feel like we could all really benefit from like you could really take a page out of William Lloyd Garrison's book you know definitely Great example for any of the young men in your life as well. Yeah. All right. This last episode is another one of my personal favorites. It's from our most recent coming out episode. And I'm not going (laughs) to play the whole thing because I couldn't even listen to the whole thing when I was going through editing this. But here is my favorite moment from that episode. Oh, man. Dear Angry Neighborhood Family. I'm like shaking again already. It's Madigan. (laughs) I'm bisexual. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) (laughs) It's so cringy. Yeah, right. Exactly. I know. I was like, I can't just say it. I have to like sing it or something and have like jazz hands going. I don't think that that's cringy. I'm so thankful to this show for educating me as I think this experience has a lot to do with becoming a more complete version of myself. And thank you to you listeners who have taught me so much and given me a safe space to be myself. You told me a while ago and, and I... And she gave me a slice of cake. Gave you some cake. We had some wine and... Yeah, I had to add, uh, we can elaborate on kind of like both of those clips there. But yeah, the reason that I really enjoyed that clip was not so much about me coming out, although that is lovely. Um, but I really think that that last part that I said about how much I've personally learned and grown from this show and uh, how much this whole process has meant to me personally, I think I said it really well there. So I wanted to interject that because I still very much feel that sentiment now, how much I've learned from everybody that writes into us and all the relationships that we've built. Um, I never would have gotten to the point where I wanted to discuss that publicly without the amount of support and other coming out stories that we had talked about in years past. So that was a real like kind of full circle moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this podcast has changed me. Like I can honestly say that like this podcast has not only changed my life, um, you know, because I am obviously a huge part of my life is about podcasting now which I love and I love to continue that journey. But beyond that as a whole, this podcast specifically and forcing myself and challenging myself to look at these issues more closely and more deeply and to examine them, examine something that I've always known in my heart, right? Like I've always had, I feel, a strong sense of of right and wrong and justice and just knowing by looking at something that like that's right and that's not right to me in my core and in my soul. But it's different knowing that and actually taking a look at it under a microscope 
and examining the ways in which that affects who you are and your life and you personally. And it does affect, it affects everything about the way that you move forward. It colors everything, every conversation, every situation. And without having done this podcast, I don't know that I could have trusted myself to have done that work. No, I mean, the amount of information that I now have because we are putting ourselves in a place where we are learning something new every single week, even if it's a topic that we think we know a lot about. I'm always learning something that I didn't know before. Yeah. And it's helping me become a better person in society, having the knowledge that I have learned from this podcast. It makes me a better friend. It makes me a better feminist. It makes me a better partner. It's, I think, painted my world a little bit differently to where I notice things easier. I get bugged by things easier. Oh, yeah. I mean, also just having looking back and listening back to episodes from the last four years, also having a lot of grace with myself in my journey of knowledge, right? And knowing that like, I'm never going to know everything. And the things that I said in in the early episodes, maybe some of those things have changed and evolved and grown as I have changed and evolved and grown. And that's okay. And you don't need yeah. to beat yourself up about that stuff either. You yeah, know, like- this show really is such a bizarre time capsule. And that's why like, I think it would be so funny to be a new listener to this show and to like go back to the beginning and and listen to everything because our world is changing so much all the time where if we were to do a toxic masculinity episode today, we would be talking about a lot of the same topics. But I think our examples and where we are in the world, it would be so completely different. So it is a very funny time capsule of what that particular moment in time was like in our world. Yeah. So I want to give a big thank you to our listeners, old and new. We have a lot of listeners who have stuck with us for all four years, which is just completely wild to me. So but we also have people who are coming in new all the time and reaching out about things and wanting to talk to us about things. And it has been so special and so mind-blowing and we are not anywhere near close to done we have so many plans for the future madigan and i are working on so many things yeah um you know this podcast has really been a labor of love for us for the last four years and we are really now trying to to push and and make it more than just a More labor, of love. Just a labor yeah. of love, you know. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but we need exciting. your help, everybody. <laughs> this is a telethon now. Um, but no, thank you to everybody so much for your support and for being there for us both personally and professionally. You all are so unbelievably amazing. So I hope that you really enjoyed this walk down memory lane. I put a lot of work into yes. it. I hope it was okay. I um, <laughs> I enjoyed it, Madigan, and I was worried. I was like, I'm going to cringe so hard through all of this. And I you- told you I'd take care of you. Yeah, Madigan pulled all of those clips and you did such an incredible job. Thank I you. will say like those are some, you know, 
some of them are difficult to hear, but those, I tried to add some levity. Those are some wonderful, made. <laughs> wonderful memories. They really, yeah. really are. So thank you everyone for making this possible and for continuing to make this possible. And thank you, Keegan, for being the best co-host. Thank you, Madigan. Ever, ever, ever. All right. Well, if there is anything that you would like for us to discuss in the future, you know what to do. You can email us at neighborhoodfeminists at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. I am going to mention again before I forget that we are going to be having some new merch. We are going to be having some new Black History Month merch available for you very, very soon for the month of February. So don't forget to check out the link in our bio to go to our account there and see if you want to pick up some new merch. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can go ahead and rate and review us on the business page and chat with the fellow listeners on the group page. Last but certainly not least, the best way that you can possibly support us right now is by leaving us a positive five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show. All right, that's all we have for you today. Happy four-year anniversary. Happy anniversary. With all that being said, we encourage you to to rage on. on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.